great things going on. There's an increase in the church, but there's also things that happen within and without the church, things uh, that are problematic within the church and then things problematic uh, from without the church, the opposition to the church. Uh, we, we see that in Acts chapter, really in Acts chapter 2. You see it in Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts chapter 5. And we see both of these scenarios playing, playing out in Acts 6. So we'll, uh, we'll read the chapter. It's good to see you tonight. Good to be together. Good to conduct the Lord's business once a, once a quarter. We used to do that I mean, way back in the day once a month, right? Every time you turn around. <laughs> anyway, so Acts 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren... Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parnamos, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freed men, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. And they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses who said, 
quote, this man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for the ministry of the word. And we thank you for the ministry of prayer. So Lord, we, uh, we open our hearts and minds to what you have to say tonight through the book of Acts, through Acts chapter 6. And we pray that we would be receptive, that we would be built up into truth, and that we would be conformed, Lord, at last, to your image as we live our lives here in this world, in this worldly world, and in the church. So, Lord, help us, and uh, may your blessing uh, be upon your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the blessed church. Um, it's obvious that Jesus is building his church just like he promised over there in the Gospels. He's building his church. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's building his church. The foundation is laid, uh, the foundation of Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one who lived sinlessly. He's the one who brought the sacrifice, his own life. He's the one who was raised. He's the one who was exalted. And now believers are being added since day one, since the day of Pentecost. Believers are being added uh, to the church. People are being added to the church as they come to faith in Christ. So we see in verse 1 that the disciples were increasing in number. And I love the word there. The word really means to fill. It is, uh, the root word there is pleroma, and it means to fill, to increase. And it is here in verse 1, and then we have the same vibe taking place in verse 7. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, even the priests, were becoming obedient to the faith. So God is at work. And all of this back then in real time, as all these other things are going on, the church is increasing. In other words, while this complaint comes. Here it is in verse 1, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews, those are the Greek-speaking Jews, against the native Hebrews, those that spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. So this is a problem. 
there's a ministry of benevolence that goes on. It says because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food there is in italics. So there's a service going on. Diakonia. You will not find the noun here for deacon. You will just find a function of what these men were doing. So there is a ministry of benevolence. The one point, the first point is the blessed church is increasing. The blessed church is increasing. The second point is that the blessed church is a benevolent church. Notice what they're doing. They're taking care of widows. I think over in James, first chapter, it's pure religion and undefiled before God. To do what? To take care of widows and orphans in their need. So that is what's taking place here in the early church. Um, and a complaint comes uh surfaces there and it's from the Greek-speaking Jews against the native Hebrews and they're saying hey listen our widows are being overlooked in the daily serving of food we presume now this has the potential of really dividing the church and it's and it's it's ethnic it's uh, you know preferential treatment and who's in charge at this point the apostles, that's what I think is really beautiful about this. It's like they're, they're responsible for this. And the 12, that's the apostles right there in verse 2, summoned the congregation of the disciples. So I like it that they considered the congregation of believers disciples. They're followers of the, the teaching of the apostles. And they're considered disciples. And this is what they said. They said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So we had serving there in verse 1, the last line of verse 1, diakonia. And then serve there in verse 2, that's diakonine, serve tables. So the apostles are saying, listen, um, we could do this. I think it's beautiful they're willing to do this, right? You know, they're, they're not complete, they're not ivory tower. They're with the people. They're willing to work, but it's not beneficial for the church for them to take their attention from the word of God in order to serve tables. So the third point would be the blessed church prioritizes the word of God and prayer. Verse 4, we have that same uh, statement, that same desire. They say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So prayer and the ministry of the word are indispensable in the church of the Lord Jesus. It takes prayer, it takes the ministry of the word, it is a spiritual work, a church office. So, uh, point four is this. The blessed church uh, maximizes participation from the congregation. 
In other words, the congregation is highly participatory, involved, involved. I mean, you read this, it's like they're all there. It's like everybody's showing up. Everybody is interested in solving this issue, and they're part of it. In fact, how does the church take care of its business here? Well, it took everyone. Everyone was a part of that. You have the apostles, you have the whole congregation, and then they were involved in choosing these men. So the statement found approval with the whole, there it is, the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen. So what are they doing? They didn't table the motion, so to speak. They got right on it. I love that about the church, right? Sometimes the church can move, you know, I've seen churches move, you know, like molasses in January, not fast, right? But to respond to a need is a big deal. And to, to have that freedom in the church to respond to needs that pop up is really healthy. So they choose these men, Stephen, and then a man, we have this statement, this description of Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So all of these are, these names are more Gentile. They're more Greek. Uh, that's interesting. By the way, uh, I think there are seven of these names. Is that right? I think there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I was thinking today, it just hit me why there were seven. You've probably already thought about this. I think I know why there were seven. It says they were involved in the daily ministration of serving tables. I think there was one for each day of the week. I mean, were they on call all the time? I don't know. Did they go to work? I'd say they did. So I think they each had took a day, and they were the person ready to go. That's my opinion. It's, you know, here nor there. And these, they brought before the apostles. So there are, everybody's involved. The congregation's involved. They've selected these men. And I love this part. And after praying... Where did we read about prayer? Oh, up there in verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So this isn't something that's uh, hypothetical. This is not something we're striving uh, to do. This is something we do as a church. So they prayed. Right there it is. They brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Um, they... I'll say it, they didn't lay their hands on them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Some people read that in there. They already, these men already had the Holy Spirit in their lives. So they laid their hands on them just to recognize that they were suited for the task and they would be about the Lord's business in this administration of, of the giving of alms or the serving of food. And then the word of God 
kept on spreading. So they were intent on the ministry of the word of God, and lo and behold, what happens? The word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith, and Stephen. So we, we, get, we read here, and we think, okay, just when we think Stephen must be really, really, really good at serving tables, we find out that he's a pretty powerful preacher. So what about this Stephen? Well, full of grace and power. He was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freed men. So I was reading this and I thought, well, those synagogue of the freed men must not have been free enough because Stephen was truly a free man. And they've come to, to what? To harass Stephen? It says, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I think this ministry of Stephen was a byproduct of the apostolic ministry that prioritized the word of God in prayer. So I think no sooner than you read that that's what they did. They accomplished this through the body of Christ. You have the fruit of that in Stephen. I mean, how else would he have been emboldened? He, he heard the word of God from these apostles. How else would he have stood boldly in the face of opposition? Well, he was, he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of the word of God. So they, they those synagogue of the freedmen, they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And then they secretly, so these people... I mean, all of this sounds too familiar. I mean, I think Jesus went through the same thing here. And I know Paul eventually will go through the same thing. They secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak, what? Blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him. And dragged him away and brought him before the council. So Stephen's been drugged away. They didn't like what he was saying and he was preaching Jesus. And they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place, the temple, and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. So here we have, we, you know, we begin the chapter with a problem within, with a complaint that arose, and we end the chapter with opposition from without. And it's interesting that God calls on the church to solve the problem from within. But those problems from without, the opposition that comes, God acts 
unilaterally to take care of his people, whether it's in life or death. Because you, you don't see the church taking up arms. I don't see anybody really coming to Stephen's defense at all. I mean, there's a whole church there. We just read about it in chapter 6, and they're right with God, and they love God. But the opposition comes, and God is the one who suddenly he's got his eyes on the situation, and he is either going to protect like he did with Peter and John. Remember, they were jailed, and God got them out of jail. Hey, we went to get them out of jail, and we couldn't find them. They're already out of jail. Who did that? Well, it was God. It was angels, whatever. God doesn't, he's not raising up the church to look after Stephen's needs or Peter's needs when they are opposed. It's almost like God takes that upon himself. And it doesn't always mean he's going to rescue. It's in life or in death he will take care. And he does this in death with Stephen. And then, I like this. They said, for we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus. See, that's who he preaches. Jesus. There's only one way to be saved, and that's in Jesus. There's only one way for these Hebrew intellects, these religious figures, to be saved. And that's through Jesus. So, Stephen's preaching Jesus, and they're, they're saying all kinds of false things, that he would destroy the place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And then they fixed their gaze on him, on Stephen. All who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Like... He's not even bothered by those who oppose. So, I just want to say this. God does a good job looking after his church. He loves his church. Uh, let us uh, continue to commit to being that blessed church. Uh, that God, we would count on God for increase that we would pray for folks to be saved and sanctified, that we would be a benevolent church, a generous church, that we would continue in that, in that uh, lifestyle, that we would evermore prioritize prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. And how that relates to God's church. That's the big deal. So we, we double down on that. We dig our heels in on that prayer and the ministry. By the way, verse 4, the word for ministry is a form of, well, it's diakonia, where we get service. That's what, that's what those Hellenistic, uh, that's what these seven men were to do is serve. But we find that that's what the apostles were doing. They were just serving two different things. Uh, the apostles were serving up the word, and these men were serving tables or serving alms or serving food. It's interesting how that unfolds. Well, we've had enough.
and I'm done. Father in heaven, thank you for the time together. We thank you for your word. God, it's so rich, so full. I pray you'd give each one of us just a, a great appetite for your word. God, that we would feast on it, that we would contemplate it, that we would ponder it, and that we would act on it, that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you for what you have accomplished in and through your church, and we pray for this body of believers right now, God that you would be glorified through us and that we would meet every challenge put before us from within or from without, God, that we would look to you for wisdom and strength. And Lord, by faith, we say tonight that our best days are ahead in you. And we continue to pray that you would bring those from every direction. Lord, bring those who know you but have not found a place to uh, fellowship with other believers and hear your word. Bring those who do not know you. Lord, that they would hear the truth and receive it. And Lord, may this be a haven, an oasis. Uh, for those, Lord, who, Lord, have been beat up by the world. And uh, we just, we want to be that church. We want to glorify you. We want to be effective in ministry for you uh, during this, these days. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.